right, let's get, uh, let's get started with dedicating the service to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We praise you for who you are in our life. Lord, we thank you that the word today may be downloaded and executed through your words. The Holy Spirit, just lead this service today. Lord, only you know what's on the hearts of each person here, what's in the minds of each person here, whether it's anxiety, issues of family, whatever it might be, Lord. You know, this season has brought a lot of family together and also may have brought things up that were uh, dug up. And we thank you, Lord, that we get to righteously declare that Yeshua can heal and mend all brokenness. And we thank you for this season of blessing you as you bless our families, our friends, with our health, our finances, our peace of mind. And we thank you for this service today, and we dedicate it to you in Yeshua's name we pray. Amen, amen. All right. I think I got a little feedback. You guys tell me. I'm not sure. All right. So today uh, we are going to be focusing on the Torah portion, Vayahi, and it says, as he lived. So I was asking the Lord, what, what does he want to bring forth from this today? I don't want it to just be just another message. I was praying for the Lord to help us move forward in this time, in this timely manner. And um, I feel like the Lord's, the title for today's message is Eternal Echoes, The Legacy Within Last Words. Um, I do want to say, you probably saw me coming up here slowly today. Uh, I just went through a surgery, and I appreciate those who have gone through surgery. Boy, I have felt it. Hallelujah. We're getting through it. And I, uh, and I do believe... Um, Pastor Ken uh, and Pastor Jesus have always reminded me to be ready in season and out of surgery. Yes. And so I decided to walk by faith and not by sight. And so I am doing very good. Thank you for all of you that have been praying through this process. Thank you so much. And I'm doing so much better. I'm independent now. I can do things. And so I give God all the glory. Amen. Amen. All right. So let's do a quick recap. Some of us may not be following the Torah portions, and the Torah portion is lining up with Israel. Basically, it's a one-year Bible plan. It's literally the exact lining up in divine alignment so that we're all in one accord as we read through the Torah. And we also believe Torah is to hit the mark. To hit the mark is the entire Bible, not just the first five books. Yeshua is found in every single one, amen? And we believe that Jesus Christ reigns forever. So a quick recap. Before Jacob dies, he makes Joseph promise that he'll bury him in Canaan. Joseph brings his two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Say Ephraim and Manasseh. Very important today. To meet their grandfather Jacob. And Jacob blesses them. Hallelujah. Jacob then gives a blessing to all the children. Jacob dies. And Pharaoh sends a grand procession to accompany Jacob's body back to Canaan. I think that is Phenomenal. Talk about a place of honor being recognized by, the, by Pharaoh, the king. After Jacob dies, the brothers fear that Joseph will take revenge of the sale. You guys remember the sale, the big sale that happened where he sold them into slavery. But Joseph reassures them. This is what we're going to be focusing on today. And then it ends with, at the age of 110 years old, Joseph dies. So, 
Last week, we might have just experienced potentially the most perfect sermon ever preached by the great minister, Natalie. Hallelujah. I was in bed recovering. And it's incredible of the application. Some of us go, okay, well, how do we do this? How do we move forward? Sure, we can be spiritual, but what are some of the next, next steps? She did such a great job of pulling from Pastor Ken's messages, Pastor Lisa's messages, and creating graphics and showing you exactly what to do. Some of us here, you ever, you love to buy those books where it says 10 steps to boom, you know, five steps to boom, you got me. Three steps? I'm buying that one. Well, I encourage you to go to our YouTube channel and go to the live section and you'll see that. Let's give, let's give some honor to Natalie. She did such a great job. I'm going to take this moment to drink the water as our rabbi, Pastor Ken, does it. Love you, Pastor Ken. I've known Pastor since I was um, age seven. I am 37, so you do the math. Not a hard number to do. And, uh, and so I, I basically, they are my spiritual parents, and sometimes they've been my physical parents. And uh, they've corrected me many times growing up as a child. I'll never forget. I must have, I was very rambunctious. Uh, I was in gymnastics. I was part of the dance team. I did anything possible to do for the Lord. And I was also pretty crazy. And I'll never forget the day. Don't ask me why kids do things like this. But uh, I decided we were in the upper room of our church that we were at. And I decided, hey, maybe I should try to do a backflip off the wall. And... Uh, here comes Pastor Ken walking in. You know, you, when you just, it's like you never do something so crazy, but when you do it, whoever's in charge happens to be there at that moment. Oh, my goodness, it was the worst. And I, you know, I left scuff marks on the wall, and I, I didn't even complete the backflip, so I don't know what was the point of that. And then Pastor Ken just, just laid it down on me, and I was like, wow, this is, this is what it's like to have two dads. Lord have mercy. But uh, I love Pastor Ken and Lisa so much. They have essentially raised me, and uh, I give full honor uh, thank the Lord for their uh, involvement in my life. And I am so excited that they're enjoying. I believe right now in this moment they're in New Zealand. Am I right about that? Woo, hallelujah. And I hear the weather's great over there. So we love you, pastors. Enjoy. All right. Um, I want to take this moment to say that this is a complete honor and privilege to close out the book of Genesis today. Wow. Let's give God a hand as we complete this phase. Over the last 13 weeks, we've explored the book of Genesis week by week. I love this cycle because we get to revisit it all over again. And, and Pastor Ken is always getting downloads from heaven and always never the same. And it's just incredible. Um, but I want to do this. Let's zoom out and look at the Parshas at a much bigger storyline for a second. At the start... God sets up Abraham to become a model nation. Everyone say model nation. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm a little biased where I've, I've clinged to certain Bible personalities more than others. And I have to say that for me, Abraham has turned into my favorite personality in the Bible and King David. For me, those are my favorites. If I ever get the opportunity. I'll be honest, it's very unknown about what happens and what's going to be opportunity. If I get a chance to just be able to sit down and have a podcast with Abraham, 
Woo. Oh, man. And with King David, the questions, I have a whole list ready to go. It's on Dropbox. i just ready to just pull it up. Who are some of your favorite Bible characters that you would love to be able to sit down and just have a chat with? Anybody? Yeah, just call it out. No hands. Jesus. That's not fair. I believe we were going to have a long, long eternity with Jesus. Anybody else? Oh, Isaiah. Anyone else? Huh? Oh, my goodness. Yes. Anybody else? Say it again. Jeremiah. Oh, my goodness. There are so many incredible personalities in the Bible, all that we can draw from their different experiences. You know what the one thing, and I believe they all had in common? They were screw-ups. All of them messed up. Look at any of the, any of their backstory. I've gone through a list with the youth where I literally called out every single patriarch and every single character and listed what was the kind of the sin or the issue that they dealt with. Some of them more than other King David. Um, also my favorite. But I want to focus today on Abraham as we look back. Abraham is chosen to represent God. God, everybody. Oh, my goodness. What a mandate. What a calling to represent God and his values with the hope of spreading it around the world. Then we meet his son, Isaac, and his grandson, Jacob, who struggle to model these values and continue their father's legacy. Abraham had it. Abraham was a chosen one. Um, this is off script here, but who knows? God sometimes passes opportunities, but sometimes we pass them along. One of my questions will be for the Lord was, did anyone else pass on the opportunity to carry this legacy before it arrived of Abraham? It's just a thought. It's not in the Bible, I'm just saying. There are countless times where I believe that the Lord has given you an opportunity and we have chosen to put it to the side because of fear, because of the unknown. Some of you, some of you, the Lord has told you to leave your job and you're just waiting to get fired. It's like, no, I don't want to make that move. And the Lord's like, do you understand what I have waiting for you on the other side? And I believe Abraham got that opportunity. Whether he was first, second, third, it doesn't matter. I am so grateful to Abraham. Again, he's one of my favorites. Okay. Things seem to have fallen at this point. We see deception after deception. And you might know who I'm talking about. In the last six, week, six weeks, we've been riddled with deception. And it's easy to forget the larger story. Jacob's life has equaled deception pre-redemption. He was known as the heel grabber. He was known as a manipulator. I don't know. The world likes to say what goes around. I'll tell you what. It came around, I believe, in Jacob's life. Now, what is the larger story here? That's my question for you. And I want everyone to repeat after me. A model nation. 
Now, stay with me, entrepreneurs and life coaches in this church. Stay with me for a second. What I'm about to say, you won't like to hear. But stay with Will you stay with me, everybody? Okay. This model that we're in at the moment is actually plan C. Not A, not B, but actually plan C. Now, let's talk about what plan A was in God's ultimate design. Plan A was paradise. Plan A was contingent on humanity understanding that God is the objective decider of good and evil. Plan A. We learned that our perspective of good is really subjective and tainted by our desires. One perfect example, and we're not a political church, but the term politics. Power, authority. When these things come into your life and you now have the ability to change things, sometimes the reason that we get into it for starts to fall by the wayside because we have humanistic desires. And a lot of times, like we've seen here in plan A, it was a distraction from what God actually intended. The distance between humankind and God only gets worse in the next generation when Cain takes good and evil into his own hands and ends the life of another human being. And who was that? His brother. Moving humanity further and further from God's intentions. So now let's talk about plan B that was initiated. God decided to begin anew. We know this as the flood. We got a scholar right here. He's reading my notes. I know you got a camera over here. God now acknowledges and embraces the inherent humanity of humankind rather than pushing them for it. Instead of exerting more control, listen to this, God releases his grip, allowing humanity to navigate its path back to him. Wow. Everyone say plan B. But plan B also didn't work out. In fact, we are introduced to the Tower of Babel. What did that look like? All that was was humans focusing solely on themselves. Oof. So now we're introduced to plan C. Here is where we stand in this Torah portion. Creating, everyone say, the model nation. You know what's interesting is that Abraham also builds towers. Wait a minute. He also builds towers. 
But the towers that he built are altars glorifying the Lord. Creating them in Adonai's name. Doing it differently and correctly. We actually know Abraham is known to be the most humble servant. It's amazing as Abraham is, he it's amazing as Abraham, he and Sarah can't become a nation by themselves. It's amazing that they cannot become a nation by themselves. God promises children beyond children. What, what was the main example of releasing that information to them? The stars and the sand. But Sarah was past the ability to have children. But yet they are given a legacy. We are talking about legacy here today. But how? Pass this cup on to someone else because you can't have chosen the right person, Lord. And God says, do you know who I am? In fact, I am. The master of the universe, the creator of all things, the one that is sustaining your every breath. Oof. In walks Isaac and Rebecca to continue the legacy. We meet Rebecca. Actually, I believe that I have I might have taught this Torah portion here. If not, it was definitely with the youth because we cover everything with the youth. So if you have youth, you're they're doing great. And practically they oh, like a scholar here, they just preach it right back to me. They're incredible. So we meet Rebecca. And see her act of, what was she known for? Anybody remember? Starts with a K. Kindness. In the midst of a surrounding atmosphere of horrible intentions. Mean people. Deceivers. And what is she known for? Her kindness. In a place devoid of good values, making her the perfect person to continue Abraham's, everyone say, legacy. So, in Tudot, we see that after a few struggles, Isaac learns that from the past, Isaac learns from the past and takes his father's mission. Eventually, Isaac and Rebecca need the legacy to continue to the next generation. Everybody, can we get a drum roll? Let's get a drum roll. I want to introduce, to introduce to you today our main star, Jacob, everybody. Hallelujah. Woo. I want to have a podcast with Jacob. That's absolutely for sure as well. But Jacob's life is known as a little thing called Complicated. Stealing the birthright, tricking Laban to become very wealthy. Any business owners here, you may be tempted. And his kids continue this legacy. I, I'm sure God's going, all right, maybe plan C needs to be scratched. Wow. This family, who is meant to model morality, ends up 
picking favorites and selling a brother into slavery? Where have we gone wrong with this story of legacy? But I'm a very positive person, and if you know me, that is who I am. What's the good news in all of this? Genesis doesn't end with deception. It ends with reconciliation. Oh, I want to give an opportunity right now, actually. You have been passed out some papers, and you're probably wondering why. This is your moment. I want to give you some on-demand, meaning in this moment, homework. As the rest of the service continues. Can you go back to the title at the very beginning? Last words. We are focusing on Jacob's last words. He's coming to the end of his life. What typically happens in a situation where last words are being given? Life is coming to an end. The last email has been sent. No more clocking in, clocking out. The stresses of the to-do list is gone. And typically what happens on someone's deathbed? They're realizing what's most important. I want us to step into that feeling. And I want to ask you a question. What in this moment that if, God forbid, and we obviously don't want this to happen, but if it were to be over, what has been left undone in your life? And as we move forward in this message, and we're going to continue, we have a lot more to go. I want you to start writing. Some of you are super organized and you like to categorize and one, two, three, four, however it is that God has created your mind to work. To start jotting down what in this moment is left open. Where is there an open sore in your life? If you had to give last words, I want you to jot that down. Will you participate today? You know? We're going to continue now. But I encourage you as we go, allow the Holy Spirit to reveal what's stirring in you, what's undone at the moment. Amen? Okay. In chapter 47 of Genesis, it is telling us that the time drew near for Israel to die. He calls his son Joseph to tell him that the time is near and to give his last words. Not only is Jacob going to give his final words to his boys, he's going to die at the end of Genesis 49. In fact, 
there's been moments in my life, I don't know if you can relate, where I'm reflecting on the possibilities of things. And I've thought before, not that I fear death, because honestly, as believers, we just get promoted. That's all it is. But what are you leaving behind? And I've thought to myself, if it were to be at whatever time it is, and it's in the Lord, that's in the Lord's hands. Were my last actions glorifying him to whoever I was with? All of you here today, you would probably want to think of the last conversation we had. Sometimes I think with my daughter Zoe, was I screaming her at her at the last moment? Was I glorifying her? Was I honoring her? Was I lifting her up? Was I showering her with love? Sometimes these things passed in my mind. And as we were setting up and I was worshiping the Lord and taking time to enter into his presence and preparing this today, it brought me back into, are we glorifying the Lord and taking every opportunity to represent heaven? If it can't live in heaven, maybe it shouldn't live in our life. Amen? Genesis 48, 1 through 2. After these things, someone told Joseph, Behold, your father is sick. So he took his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, with him. When someone told Jacob, saying, Behold, your son Joseph has come to you. Israel summoned his strength and sat up in bed. Mm. I hope you noticed the words between verse 1 and verse 2. Jacob is sick in verse 1. In verse 2, Israel is the same person that he strengthens himself to greet his family. There is something special about being with people who are fading away. There is something special about requesting help in times of need. I want to take this moment to honor someone who I know my entire life, because I've known them as long as I've known pastors, is Mr. Mike Fico. His ministry was visiting church members in the hospital. Imparting words of wisdom, being there, reciting Bible verses. And it's interesting, I already had felt Lord, the Lord told me to honor him today. And then we get a text this morning that he's in the hospital. His ministry has always been to love on those that are hurting. Let's pray for him. Heavenly Father, you know where Mr. Mike is, the state that he's in. Thank you for his life. Pray for peace upon Kathy, who's with him right now. We love you, Mike. Whether you're here, you're not, doesn't matter. The Lord has used you in so many ways. I want to honor you in this moment and pray that the Lord give back to you all that you've given to those people in your ministry all these years. I pray healing upon their body. Holy Spirit, strength from heaven to revive your body. 
kidney stones, and all those complications that are currently in effect, may they dissipate and go away in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Galatians says, bear one another's burdens. And, to, and so fulfills the law. Actually, another version I think we're all familiar with is carry each other's burdens. Question is, is why don't we like to ask for help? Sometimes it's vulnerability, especially as a man, ego. There is beauty in saying, I need help. And there's beauty in caring for those that need help. So, here is Israel, the great patriarch, on his deathbed, strengthening himself as he watches his son walk in the room. I don't think you understand how important that is, right? After basically thinking he was gone for so many years. With little strength, Papa Jake decides to impart some things to his son. Of the first encounter with Genesis 4, 48.3. Then Jacob said to Joseph, El Shaddai appeared to me in Luz, in the land of Canaan, and blessed me. This is the first place where God appeared to Jacob. Can you remember the first time that the Lord spoke to you? The Holy Spirit spoke to you? When was that last time? More importantly than when, I would petition is, what did the Lord say? Some of you may be frustrated because maybe you don't have a recollection of him. He's always here. He's just knocking, waiting for you to open the doors of your lifestyle to be able to Keen your ears to his still, soft voice. The Lord is a gentleman, never forcing his way into your life, but saying, please, I'm always here. Allow me in. Jacob is recounting what God said to him. Genesis 44. He said to me, I am going to make, your, make you fruitful and multiply you and turn you into an assembly of people. And I will give this land to your seed after you as an everlasting possession. Do you realize those are the same words that were given to Abraham and Isaac? It was exactly 70 people, not including wives, that took the trip from Canaan, Canaan to Egypt in the story of reconciliation. But isn't it interesting? He's talking about the multiplication on their lives. Isn't it interesting 
that if we fast forward to Exodus, in the great Exodus, the numbers have now shifted from 70 to 2 million. Some scholars say 30,000, 2 million, it's still a lot. I call that multiplication, that's not addition. So, Genesis 4 through 5. And I will give this land to your seed and your and everlasting possession. So now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt, they are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh will be mine. Just like Reuben and Simeon. He is lining up the next two, his firstborn sons. Remember Reuben and Simeon. Remember Reuben and Simeon. They are disqualified from any leadership in the family because of what they did in back in, in Genesis 34 and 35. I don't know if you understand the gravity of what this is saying. Ephraim and Manasseh are half Hebrew. The other half is known as Gentiles, anything other than Hebrew. Some of us here identify as that. It's not a bad word, anything other than born Hebrew. They are Egyptian by trade. They are wearing the Egyptian tire. I assume they're bald with a thing of hair right here, like the, the animated movie. Hello. They probably have some makeup on. They know about that. That's what I was talking about earlier. They know about that. A different culture. I want everyone to repeat after me, grafted in. Uh, I hate to park on this every time that Pastor Ken gives me an opportunity to preach and this happens to come up because you guys are probably tired of me bringing this up and I have no discipline in this area, so I apologize, we're going there. <laughs> I am so sorry, I just have to, I, have, I gotta work on this discipline issue here. Grafted in is such a big deal to me. If you identify as Gentile, not Jew, raise your hand. Just for me, just for me to know. Okay, awesome. This spoke to me. I won't stay here long. It's not part of my message. When Pastor Ken first brought up, not first, obviously, but brought it up in our Bible, home Bible study, about what grafting, uh, grafting in really is. And, you know, I don't know if any of you know this about Pastor Ken. He used to be a landscaper. Yeah, he was hardworking, sweating, all that good stuff. He's a hardworking little Jew. Love fashion. And so, of course, he knows about these things. And he started showing pictures. And, and then, of course, I was just, a lot of my life in my immaturity in the Lord was spent being, honestly, I'll be honest with you, jealous of the Jewish people. In my immaturity. Thinking, well, they're of the promise and they're of the covenant and we have Jesus and and. We're winning, but like they're still of the promise and they're the chosen people. 
and all of these things. And you ever, you ever, you ever got picked last on a team before? <laughs> That's how I felt. I felt, man, I was born into a picked last team here. And when we started having those Bible studies where we really started kind of the revelation of Torah, Hebrew roots, wow, I felt, finally felt belonged to. Why? Because we get to participate in being grafted into, not Jews, that's just the tribe of Judah, not Israel even, no. The Hebraic covenant, that's what we're grafted into. And now we are plant, sliced, we are put into, tied up, and grow as one, here we go, tied into the covenant. And everything that has been called and belonged to the chosen people, I get to say I'm part of the A-team. Hallelujah, somebody. Woo! Back to sermon. Hello. Everyone say grafted in. This is the moment. Where if you've ever wondered, where in the Bible do we find the first, Pastor Ken is always talking about the first, grafting in moment is about to occur. The first ever. Genesis 6-7. Any descendants of yours whom your father, whom you father after them will be yours. This is after Ephraim Manasseh. They will be identified by the names of their brothers and for their inheritance. Now, as for me, when I came from Paran to my, sor to my sorrow, Rachel died along the way in the land of Canaan. While we were still a distance from entering Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, also known as Bethlehem. Why is this important? In the Hebrew culture, tradition, everyone say tradition. A lot of traditions. Ephraim and Manasseh shouldn't partake in this blessing. They're not qualified. Their names are going to be written in eternity from this moment forward. Fulfilling God's plan for Israel. It says here, Rachel died along the way in the land of Canaan. I humbly think, just assume, that Jacob was still grieving and struggling with this. As you know, he's the one that, she's the one that he fought so hard for. And what goes around, comes around, kept coming around. She was the faith. Genesis 48, 8 through 12. Then Israel saw Joseph's son and said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons, whom God has given me here in the land of Egypt. Then he said, Please bring them to me so that I, might, that I may bless them. Now Israel's eyes had, gone, had grown heavy with old age. He could not see. So he brought them near to him, and he kissed them and hugged them. Then Israel said to Joseph, to see your face I didn't expect. And look, God has let me see your offspring as well. 
Then Joseph took them from his knees and bowed with his face down to the ground. There's so much to unpack here. With his eyes fading, he gets to embrace not only his lost sons, but his grandchildren. Whoa. What a completion. What a turn of events. Coming around full circle. We get a sense of how old Ephraim and Manasseh actually were in this moment. Because if you look, it says here, then Joseph took them from his knees. Joseph, in a different version, says, Joseph brought them from between his knees. There's nothing like the embrace I am blessed right now in this moment. I have a six-year-old and a one-year-old. There's just nothing like when my little one grabs me by the knee and just hugs it and just won't let go. When I come home from work, I open that door. As if it never seen me before. And the embrace of Zoe, she's getting tall on me. Like, I don't know how to stop this process, but it's happening. And her love and affection is just overwhelming. I can feel what Jacob is feeling in this moment. And I'm sure it was amplified with him. They didn't exist in his mind for so many months. Then it says, he bowed with his face to the ground. Do you realize who Joseph is? He is royal. He is a Royal official. Someone call that a prime minister. He is not used to this. You don't see any accounts of Joseph bending down to anyone other than Pharaoh. This is not a custom for him. He is a high authority figure. But doesn't negate the reference he has for his papa. Verse 13. Then Joseph took two of them, Ephraim with his right hand, across from Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand, across from Israel's right, and brought them close to him. Joseph is trying to position Manasseh <laughs> on Jacob's right hand. I can imagine he's getting frustrated. Some may think this is a little weird. It's not part of our custom. Biblically, the right hand speaks of favor. Honor, status. In fact, many of you know this. In Mark's gospel, we find that Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the Father. There are many instances of the significance of the right hand. Verse 14, but Israel stretched out his right hand and placed it upon Ephraim's head. Though he was the younger and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, though Manasseh was the firstborn. I'm a very visual person. Sometimes this whole left and right thing gets a little confusing. 
I want to show you some pictures of what this moment possibly looked like, looked like. If he was upright, this is what it looked like. Let's show the next one. Right hand, Ephraim. Notice that Joseph placed him right next to his right hand to position him for the firstborn blessing. Go to the next. This is another option. I don't know if you understand the significance in this time period of firstborn and the inheritance that comes with that. You're actually responsible for carrying the entire family. It's not just that you get the money in the bank and everyone else gets a little bit. It's a big deal. And with that also means carrying the purpose and legacy of the family. It's much bigger than just leading a family. He is trying to undo what Joseph is so desperately concentrating and getting frustrated about. Genesis 15, 48, 15, 16. Then he blessed Joseph and said, the God before whom my father Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has shepherded me throughout my life to this day, the angel who redeemed me from all evil. Oof, remember when we, we were on that topic. May he bless the boys and may they be called by my name and by the name of my fathers, Abraham and Isaac. May they multiply to a multitude in the midst of Everyone say, the land. Look how Joseph responds as he is very displeased. When Joseph saw that his father placed his right hand upon Ephraim's head, it was wrong in his eyes. So he took hold of his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. Joseph said to his father, not like that, my father, because this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand upon his head. I can only imagine this, the gravity of this moment. This is a big deal. This isn't like just praying for your children on Shabbat every Friday night. This is a big deal. But, but his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also will become a people. And he will also, and he also will become great, but his younger brother will become greater than he, and he and his seed will be fruitful, be the fruitfulness of the nations. Then he blessed them that day, saying, in you shall Israel bless by saying, my God make you like Ephraim and like Manasseh. Thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Joseph was upset, and Jacob is saying, listen, God has revealed to me that the younger will be greater. It's tradition, Joseph says. Now, I want to open up another question for you scholars today. I'm very interactive most of the time. There has been many instances that this tradition has been switched. Let's look a little deeper at that. Anybody, now don't, put it, put it away, put it away, put it away, put it away, put it away. Oh, there goes that. I, I, I forgot to tell him to, to put it away. Oh, good, it's on the back. Don't look back there. Do not look back there. Don't look back. Thank you, Amanda. She's the best. Gosh, we're so blessed. 
Anybody has, do not look back there. Anybody have, thank you, Amanda, she put it away. Anybody have an idea of these switch role reversals? Any, any situations in the Bible, just call it out. Ooh, Cain and Abel, very good. Say it again. I can't hear you, I'm sorry. Lee and Rachel, okay, but that's not the blessing. Okay, very good. Esau and Jacob, beautiful. Anything else before we, before we read it out loud? And Israel, Jacob, very good. Okay, very good. Okay, moving on, moving on, moving on. Here we go. I want you guys to actually see it now. Let's see the first one. Cain and Abel, next one. Ishmael and Isaac, hello somebody. Next one, Esau and Jacob. Reuben and Joseph, Aaron and Moses, David the youngest, Ephraim before Manasseh. Wow, isn't that interesting? This isn't the first time and won't be the last. Now, we know that of the 10 northern tribes, we know this as a fact, Ephraim was the greater. Then Israel said to Joseph, look, I am about to die, but God will be with you and will bring you back to the land of your fathers. So what is Jacob saying here? He is actually predicting the great exodus from the Egypt to the promised land. Now, I myself give you one portion more than your brothers. Hello, somebody. That which I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and my bow. What is happening right here? This is the passing of the baton. Passing of the torch. Why is he saying this? I give you one portion more than your brothers. Because he is referring to the fact that Joseph gets a double portion blessing. How do we know that to be true? Of all the brothers, Joseph is the only one that is blessed with two tribes. Wow. The blessing is automatic. Jacob called his sons. And said to them, greater together so that, ga gather together so that I can tell you what will happen to you in the last days. Prophetic word. Be assembled and listen, sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. In the last days deals with prophecy. Genesis 49, 33 through 27 covers the individual blessings to the brothers. And we're not going to cover that because you'll miss dinner tonight if we go through there. But we'll give a little synopsis. Reuben, you shall not excel. Simeon and Levi, I will scatter them in Israel. Judah, the, the scepter, shall not depart from Judah. How do you say it? Zebulun, thank you. I, I haven't, I hate, thank you, I'm tired. Medicine, hello somebody. A haven for ships. Essachar, a strong donkey. Dan, 
a serpent by the way. Gad, he shall triumph at last. Asher, he shall yield royal. This is talking about wealth. Very wealth. Dainties. Naphtali. He gives goodly words. Joseph, branches run over the wall. And Benjamin, a ravenous wolf. I believe he was the spoiled brat of the bunch. Let's go to Joseph's blessing. We're coming to an end. I hope that you have been taking a moment to write down the Lord might be leading you. And I do want to mention, it's not for something to write down that you are going to figure out how to fix. It's something to petition to the Lord that it may be his doing, his blessing on your life to conquer this open wound or undone thing that you are writing down on a piece of paper. Genesis 49.23. We're going to go to the end now. The archers were bitter and shot arrows and were hostile towards him. Yet his bow was always filled and his arms quick moving by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there a shepherd, the stone of Israel. Jacob may actually be hinting to the fact that he knows what actually happened. I've read many scholar reports. It's a big question. But if you look here, it's almost as if he's hinted that he knows. I wouldn't doubt the sons never even told him. They had a lot of time together in their travels. They had some time after that. But I believe there's a possibility that two and two came together when he found out Joseph was alive. Now, Jacob has been in Egypt for 17 years. But he's not an Egyptian. He is son of the promise. And he says, I need to be buried with those that are part of this promise. Let's read Genesis 49, 28 32. These are the tribes of Israel, 12 in all. And this is what their father spoke to them. He blessed them. Each one he blessed with his suitable blessing. Then he charged them and said to them, I am about to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the fields of Ephron, the Hittite. In the cave that is in the fields of, can you help me with that? Thank you. That is next to Mamre in the land of Canaan. The field that Abraham bought from Ephron, the Hittite, was a property for burial. There they buried Abraham and his wife, Sarah. There they laid, buried Isaac and Rebekah. And there I buried Leah. The field was purchased along with the cave from the sons of Hit, Het, 
this is the end of the patriarch in our history our history and he is actually recognizing notice that Egypt is known for its tombs and its rituals and embalming they had today to be the best. He could have been buried like a pharaoh because he had the honor of a high official. But he chooses to be buried in an obscured cave in Canaan. He recognized that it was the promised land which we know today major attack and then he dies when Jacob finished commanding his sons he drew his feet up into the bed then breathed his last and was gathered to his people it was important that Jacob gave his final words before his final God's plan, his plans have not died, they are continuing. And I really do believe it will continue. Every eye will see that Jesus was, is, and will forever be the King of kings and the Lord of of Lord and everything that Abraham was pointing to in terms of legacy was pointing at Yeshua HaMashiach who completed the fight for us. This is a message about reconciliation and the legacy within your last words. What would be your last words to your family? I hope you've been encouraged to write something down today to practically participate in your own healing. I don't know what they are, it's not my job. I tell you who does know every little thing about you and all the anxiety all the stress, all the burden in your life. Whether you've witnessed things that you shouldn't have. Whether you've been a part of things that you shouldn't have. We can't let this stop our legacy. We can't let this stop what God has been planning for us. If you only knew who you were in God's eyes, people would bow down to you. You are royalty of a kingdom far greater than this one. Would you all stand today? If able to, of course. If you don't mind, I would like to request do one even better than that since you're already here. I want you to 
hold that piece of paper. Hopefully you're done. Hold it in your hand. Preferably your right hand. And I want to ask you if you would be so bold and willing to come to the front today. This is not to, for my ego. If you know me, that is not me. This is a moment for you and the Lord. I would love to see everyone just come forward because we're going to do an act today. And it's going to require your piece of paper. If you don't want, don't mind, just come to the altar, come forward. I want to tell you a story of my legacy as you come forward. Many of you don't know that my birth certificate didn't say Michael Angel Hernandez. My name wasn't Michael. My name actually was, it's gonna be hard for me to get there. It definitely wasn't Abraham, I wish. It was Angel. Angel Luis Hernandez, very Cuban, I know. Name was after my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather had a hard life, being from Cuba, escaped all of what that means. And uh, he was an angel in the sense that he loved overwhelmingly to the point that he would sacrifice his own finances and put his situation in deep trouble just to help everyone everyone around him. Heart of gold. One of his bad traits were anger issues. And uh, the way he would portray that would be through harsh words. If you don't mind hitting that reset button. Some of you don't know this about me. Hopefully you think I'm perfect, which is definitely not the case. I struggle with the same issue. It's something that's been passed down and I'm breaking that stuff. I almost never get angry. I don't know if any of you know me truly, but I am almost never. You almost will never catch me losing. Very happy person for just like, I've seen it. What are you talking about? Unfortunately, the way that it comes out is through a trait that is my father where I say things that shouldn't be said. I don't know if any of you, any of you can relate to that. Well, in my grandfather's last days, uh, he had a stroke. A large portion of his last days, I got to know him normal a lot most of my life. A large portion of his life was basically a baby, mentally. And my grandmother took care of him. In his sickness, though, he said things, and maybe it was because it was an innate trait of his to say things that maybe he doesn't mean. In his sickness, so he's not really there. And my grandmother started getting worried because in his sickness, he started saying things about the Lord, just upset at why things have turned out the way they were, which brought so much unease to my grandmother. They've lived their life serving the Lord all their life. And um, I hate crying in front of people, I apologize. His last night, 
grandmother was carrying this burden on his last night he gets out of bed and goes to the couch because he doesn't understand why he's out there longer than normal and he goes gets a cup of milk comes right back and this is kind of the routine she comes out to see what's going on and she finds him there just sitting up at the wall. She says, honey, what's going on? He says, they're here. They're here. She said, who? They're here. Take that for what it is. Those were his last words. She escorted him back to the bed. A few moments later. What that brought to my grandmother, shalom. Peace. Sometimes it's not just our actual words of wisdom that we're... We don't always get that opportunity. In fact, Isaac messed up and thought he was on his deathbed and lasted 10 more years. But I want to end you with this in terms of legacy. <laughs> I got the opportunity and privilege and honor to know Jose Duran, my great grandfather on my mother's side he was a giant a giant in a four foot ten body probably where I get this. I want to read this to you he had a full head of hair pristine white which was kept careful with a comb every day always dressed impeccably he even required required the crease of his pants to be as he put it sharp enough that it could cut I love our lead. He was revered by everyone for his love for God, for his family. In fact, he was a true poet at heart, creating beautiful and inspiring poetry well into his last days. He passed away at the incredible age of 100, surrounded by all of us. Children, his, grand, his grandchildren, and even his great-grandchildren. What an honor. And I remember him clearly. Abuelito went to heaven peacefully. Reciting something. Until he took his last breath. Can I read to you what it was? 
think you'll recognize it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Last words. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. And as he finished, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That was it. He wins. I'm calling on the God of Jacob. Whose love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant. I'm calling on the God of Moses. The one who opened up the ocean. I need you now to do the same thing for me. I want you to ball up your paper right now. Oh God, oh God, I need you. Oh God, oh God, I need you now. God, I need you now. Oh rock, oh everything that it means. Worship This is your moment. The action I'm going to ask you to do is to, when the moment comes, we're going to say, I release. And I want you with your best baseball throw, throw it forward. Don't worry about me. Here we go. Who made a shepherd boy courageous? Hallelujah. I may not be
reconciliation Heavenly Father as we see in this beautiful family story as we close Genesis we thank you Lord for the example of what it is to be a Joseph the bow could have easily been in Joseph's A bow is typically designed to take out and to kill. Joseph could have done that to his brothers when he had the opportunity. And I don't know if you know anything about bows, but some of us aren't gonna strike 
but we're holding the tension of the bow. It is harder to hold the bow in the state of tension than to just put it down. Joseph decided to put that away and walk in forgiveness. As his last days also approached, his descendants were doubled and then multiplied. We thank you, Lord, for the blessing by your right hand that we are promised an eternity with your presence. We praise you, Adonai, for this day. We thank you, Lord, that everything that has occurred today has happened by your approval, Lord. We thank you that we didn't skip out on this promise today, that we were here in a divine alignment on your day, your Shabbat. Help us to continue being an influence to those around us catch your eye to represent you in all that we do. We love you, Lord. We thank you for everyone that's next to us, this community of believers. We love you. Bless everyone this week as we continue the journey, building our legacy for reconciliation and forgiveness. And not every word we speak represents heaven. Be blessed in Yeshua's name. Amen. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. God bless you. Thank you for all that attended today.